Perhaps the most difficult thing in life to understand is that there is no condemnation in Christ. As we start a new series today out of the, out of the book of Romans, chapter 8, there are eight great messages in this chapter that I want to share over the next eight weeks. So you should have received a card, and maybe not, but I ran off a verse, and if not, we'll pass them out, that I think would be good for you to learn. It's verse 1 of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you do not have to face condemnation. God has freed you from that, which is really, really, really supernaturally powerful, is it not? If there's anything that keeps us going in life, it has to be the fact that even though you'll get criticism from your spouse sometimes, from your parents, from your children, but when you are living in Christ, you will not receive condemnation from your Savior. It's amazing. It's amazing grace. We need it. We desperately, desperately need it. I get inspired when I think about the fact that as I look back on my life, there are many things that I might regret, but I don't need to worry about paying for them. I don't need to worry about the consequences of the sin that has taken place in my life because Christ has completely forgiven that. That's unfathomable because we don't forgive each other. Wives don't always forgive their husbands. Husbands don't always forgive their wives. Children don't always forgive their parents. And maybe you even came in the room today and there's some weight, some load that you're carrying because you haven't totally given that over to Christ. There might even be people in the room that you cannot speak to because there's some feeling of condemnation that you receive from them or them from you. Don't go through life like that. Life is way too good. As I said, I heard a preacher preaching this week, and he thinks that it's silly for us to still believe in miracles. But I do. Do you? Yeah. You see, I do believe this. I believe that we don't have because we don't ask. And many times when we do ask, we ask for some selfish reason instead of that God might be glorified. This is a big week. For me, it's a big week in many ways. My wife found out she had cancer two weeks ago. She's having it operated on this Friday. I believe God is in control. Yeah. I'm at a place in my own life where I have something huge that's transpiring right now. I need to trust God for. He's big. He can do it. Andrew, our drummer, I usually call him Asia Boy, but somebody got offended in one of our services because I call him Asia Boy and said I was some kind of racist. Then, then why do I have an Asia boy living in my house, my Josiah? No, we love Andrew. This is the week of his wedding. And of all weeks to have something happen in your life, it would be this week, this past week and this coming week. And, and his fiancee, Brianna, has been in the hospital for days with what they didn't know. At first they thought it was spinal meningitis, and then they thought it was hepatitis. And they went from one thing to the next, and... After it's all said and done, they came down to this conclusion that it's probably a reaction to some meds that she took. Is God good? Yeah. See, we pray for healing, and I've been praying for them every day. We pray for healing, but when it comes in, we don't say, oh, God, you are amazing. 
you took it from spinal meningitis to a reaction to a drug. Is that how God works? And then we don't give him praise. We just let that pass by like it's nothing. No, it's God. It's God because people pray. God is at work all around us all the time performing miracles. You're just not grabbing onto them. You know, you'll see miracles more easily if you start rejoicing in the ones that are obvious around you. When you do the natural, God does the supernatural. When we do what we can, God does what we can't. That's the way it works. When we do everything we can to obey God, he does what we can't do. That is the supernatural God that we have today. He's in the house. My wife, when we went to bed last night, she was communicating with Lisa Nash about Ethan possibly coming over today. And the last thing Becky said to me before we fell asleep was, you didn't know you were keeping us up, Lisa, but that's okay. <laughs> last thing my wife said that Lisa said was, I always feel the Holy Spirit when I come to Rock Church. Thank you. Yeah. Do you see him? God is all around. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you would care to manifest yourself in our service this morning. We are so blessed, aren't we? Now, you could focus on the negative or you can focus on the blessings. When you grab onto the blessings, it's amazing what happens. God begins to work supernaturally. I'm just curious. I asked this. Uh, we had a bunch of people over at our house Friday night for cookout. I call it the mids. It's mid mid-range people in our church, those in their 30s and 40s, and people were asking me, what does mids mean? I said, it means midlife crisis. Men start, they buy a, sport, a red sports car, put the top down, and let their hair blow in the wind. The radio's on some nasty station from the 60s or the 70s or whatever. There it is. That's the mids. Midlife crisis. Been there, done that. The women are in menopause and the men are in menopause. Pause a man. You know, pause a man and get a car and buy whatever. It's crazy what life does to us. Some of you sit in a room this morning, and I know this because I'm up here most every week. You sit in the room and you think, but you don't know what's going on in my life, Pastor. You have no idea. You don't know the struggles that I face or we face. Struggles are common to all men. Yeah, they are. Regrets are common to all men. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have some regret. Mm -hmm. That's why when you marry someone, you make sure you marry the person that is in it for better or worse, richer or most often poorer, in sickness and in health till death parts you. And all along the way during that journey of marriage, there will be ups and downs. There will be things that you will look back and say, if only that, and if only this, and if only I hadn't done that. And you look back and, and, and think, what if I had married someone different? Or what if this or that? When you surrender to God this morning, this is a fact. When you surrender totally to God, peace comes. Is that correct? Yeah. All of a sudden, peace just comes over your whole being. You can handle cancer surgery. You can handle court cases. You can handle hatred from your own spouse. I know what's in the room this morning because I've talked to numerous of you this week about the heartaches in your own life. They make you cry. They're real. But if they're real to me, I have to understand, they're real to God too. There is no condemnation. There is nothing 
that takes God by surprise. I think, I think life is funny, isn't it? I try to make it fun. Josiah's growing up. He's in seventh grade now. I always jack my gym shorts up to here. And I walk in a room with my gym shorts like this. And the other night he said to me, is that supposed to be funny? You mean he's growing up and this isn't funny anymore? Because <laughs> I sure think it is. And then there's my very conservative wife, and she always looks at it and goes, what if people saw you like that? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? Let it be, right? Let it be. Yeah. So I saw this funny video. I think this is one of the funniest commercials ever. So I said, this works out perfect for what I'm talking about. Regards. Sorry, I was eating a Milky Way. Yeah, so next time something weird happens, sorry. Sounds like the typical Valley girl, doesn't she? I was eating a Milky Way. It's kind, of, it's kind of like that with God at times. I honestly think that we take things so much more seriously than God does. I do. I think that many times we are our own worst enemy. We are our own worst enemy. And in, in his book, um, If... Mark Batterson says that I am my own historian, and I'm the best one. I'm my own historian. You are your own historian. That's how it works, see. We keep record of everything, everything about our spouse that she did wrong or he did wrong, everything that our kids did to disappoint us, everything at work this week that really annoyed us. We keep record of those things, and then we can't sleep at night, and we're so hard on ourselves. Like, boy, if I would have just changed five years ago, maybe my husband would still be with me or my wife would still be with me. Maybe if I had thought of this when my child was young, I wouldn't have this problem now that they're a teenager. I am totally convinced. Whatever you're sowing is your reaping. If you have regret, oftentimes you, you have a way of being your own worst enemy because you are your own historian. But no matter what regrets you have, God is a God of second chances. We're not. God is. I'm going to take you to court over this, and I'm going to take you to court, and I'm going to get a lawyer, and I'm going to sue, and I'm drinking hot coffee at McDonald's, a woman sues. Shouldn't you know that if you order coffee, unless it's some kind of an ice drink, it's going to be hot? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think to myself, what is happening to culture? We are, we're concerned about the people that are in the path of this massive, massive storm. And behind this storm, Irma, there is another storm coming. And I would say most positively that when over 5 million people have to exit a state because a storm is the largest storm in the history in the Atlantic Ocean. 
five, four, or five. As it passed through St. Martin's, it decimated the entire island. I've been there. The island is built on tourism. There's nothing left. And if you haven't thought about it today, you're blessed to have the miracle of having food on your table and clean water and, and a bed to lay in and the safety of a home where many people have left their houses this morning are gone. Millions were on the road if you didn't see pictures. All traffic was exiting. Some chose to stay, even in trailer parks, and I think you're taking a great chance. We don't like to, to listen to God's warnings to us. He warns us for our sake. He warns us about things so that we will not down the road have even further regrets. Are you listening? Someone in the room is going through something that is causing regret, but they're not realizing that if they're not careful at this very moment, they'll get themselves into things which will bring further regret down the road. You know, most marriages that are second marriages don't last. The rate of separating after your first marriage in your second marriage is about 75%. It's about 50% in your first marriage. This is what I say, stay in your marriage. Now, that, I'm not against divorce, people. We have a lot in our church, and I love you, and God loves you, and you, you can't look back with regret. You have to move on with wisdom. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. With wisdom, that if you're going to date again, you don't make the same mistakes that you made last time. Theologian John Piper calls the eighth chapter of Romans the great eight. Today is number one. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He calls it the great eight. Martin Luther called it the clearest gospel of them all. And what did he mean by that? He meant this, that if Jesus paid it all, he paid it all. You didn't pay, he paid. You don't pay, he paid. You will not pay in eternity, he already paid. What a great relief, isn't it? That when you are saved and Christ comes into your life, he has saved you forever. He saved you for eternity, but he saves you every day. It's the clearest gospel of them all. It's not just about getting us in the door of heaven. It really isn't. It's not just about sneaking me into heaven. It's about a daily new beginning. Every day, this, this is the hope I have. This is the hope I have, the confidence I have, that I'm still forgiven today when I sin. Yes? That you're still forgiven today when you sin. That you're not condemned today because you blew it. He doesn't keep records. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13 and you think about marriage, love keeps no record of wrongs. That's what the video was about. It was somewhat secular, but the truth is still there. Love constantly pursues, doesn't it? Hate doesn't. I told my wife, a large church in the city of Hudsonville has signs, and I mentioned it last week, all around their entire campus. Hate is not home here. You know, that's cool, and that's really nice to put all those signs all over, and it may look good, but I haven't seen it manifested by that church. I've been through the valley of the shadow of death, and many, many people from there treated me like I was dirt. Now, I'm not saying that they're any different from any of us. But where the rubber meets the road is, who is there for you loving you when you've done the worst? 
Who is there when you, in your craziness, have gone out and done something you shouldn't have done, but they're still by your side? That's a real spouse. That's a true friend. A true friend can be woken in the middle of night and reminded, I don't care what happened. I don't care what you did. I'm here and you are forgiven. Simple. Simple until it comes to your door and knocks on your door. It's not just about getting into heaven. It's about you need him today. You need to be saved today. Saved from what? Saved from hurt. Saved from tragedy. Saved from thinking you're not going to make it. Those people that are exiting Florida right now didn't have anywhere to go. Didn't have enough gas to get where they didn't know where they were going. Cars are stalled along the expressway. They're 20 wide, driving on the grass to get out. They have no idea what they'll go back to. I know this for sure. I'm not going back to anything because I'm born again. I am looking forward to all my sins are gone and, and seeing my Savior face to face and knowing he's going to say, you did the best with what you had. I want to take as many people with me as possible. It's not just about getting into heaven. Martin Luther so aptly put it in his lectures on Romans, to, forget, to progress is always to begin again. Well, come on. To progress is to begin again. You know, people get a divorce and they want an easy fix right away. Just give me an easy fix because the heartache is so overwhelming you can't even stand it. You feel so betrayed and so lonely, and all you need to do is flip on your TV and FarmersOnly.com is there to help you. What about JesusOnly.com? Yeah, what about that? Try that on. Because, see, none of us know what it's like to have your spouse leave you unless it's happened. You're sailing along in life. A friend told me, and one was boss. He didn't go to work. He went up north, went to a cottage, got down to the end of the dock, and cried for five days straight. I'm not saying that out of anger. I'm saying, I don't want to lose my wife. I'm not going to. She's with me. You hear that? I don't want to lose my kids. They're with me. Nick and Lexi are on vacation this week. And Lexi, the last thing she wrote to me last night was, well, we're coming home tomorrow night. I miss you so much. See, this is what you want. Yes. You want to begin again. And God says, just begin again. Yes, right now. Begin again. You might need to fix a few things. You might need to apologize to a few people. But I can assure you of this. You won't need to go running to God. He's running to you right now. He talks love. He whispers love. You are discouraged in the room. You need to begin again right now, right this moment. Just start over fresh. Say, Lord, you pray it in your seat right now. I'm not condemned. Thank you, God. I can start again. There's no condemnation from God. He's not saying, but you're going to pay. You got to, you, you know, justice is justice. I don't do well with that. If God were just, all of you would be zapped, especially some of the sinners in this room. <laughs> Ooh, doggy. You'd be zapped. You'd be fried. You'd be a fried pickle. No, that's the truth. If God were just, 
But God is not just just. He is just. God is amazing, loving, and not condemning for certain. I'm positive about that. Real spiritual progress. Martin Luther said in his lectures, to progress is always to begin again, but real spiritual progress always requires a daily going backwards. Somebody asked this question. These questions, I think, are powerful to help us understand. How can we feel that there is no condemnation when we're continually told that God tests us? Is he mean or sadistic or just likes to torture us? God tests us. He said, I always feel that I have failed his tests and live under this feeling that I am a constant disappointment to God. I dare say that 50% or more of the Christians in this room this morning have that same attitude. Like, how could God possibly bless me? I'm such a disappointment. I can't get victory over any of my habits, any of the things that plague me. Well, let me just answer those questions quickly. So he said, I'm being continually tested. Is that true? Yeah. I am. I'm always being tested. But not so that I'll fail. So that I'll realize I cannot make it without him. Oh, yeah, it's true. You're going to get tested if you're a Christian. Don't fall into this trap of thinking, how could a person ever do this? As a man thinks in his mind, so is he. Is that correct? See, our culture tells us certain things are worse than other things. No, to God, sin is sin. You're already bored, aren't you? I look at some of you and you're ready to go to sleep. I need to do some calisthenics or something up here. Throw you in the tank. We're going to be tested. So number two, he said, I always feel that I have failed his tests. Don't you feel like this? Oh, you go home today and you say, this is it. I'm done with that. I don't need that anymore. That's over. That's history. And by nightfall, you blew it. Now you're laughing because you know it's true. Oh, but God, it was like when, the, oh, when Dirk was up there and it was that sunshine moment and it's, the light was just shining on him and he was, oh, you know, God, oh. And, and you just felt this chill go down your back and said, oh, I felt the Holy Spirit. I just felt the Holy Spirit. Well, hopefully that's true, and I'm not trying to be facetious or weird in any way, but those feelings fade. It's not about a feeling. It's about a fact that there's no condemnation. Even when you test yourself, you'll be tested. You'll find that you have failed. And then the third thing he said is, I'm a constant, what? Disappointment. You ever feel, how many people, be honest now, some of you don't raise your hand for anything. You wouldn't even raise your hand if we were giving $5 million away to the person who raised their hand. You, no? Oh, yeah. You say, oh, yes, I would. That's when I'll come awake, Pastor. Let's do it. <laughs> no. How many have even this week been disappointed about something? Hands up. Hmm. Surprise. Surprise, isn't it? No, it isn't. What you think is you're the only person that's disappointed. And what you don't realize, that your disappointment gives you opportunity to pull somebody out of their disappointment. Yes, it does. 
Try it. Try speaking positive instead of negative about what you're going through. I'm going to turn this disappointment into something powerful, and I'm not backing down. I said, baptism doesn't save you, because we're about to do it here in just a little bit. Baptism doesn't save you, but I'm telling you this right now. My experience after 42 years of being in ministry is that baptism is powerful. I'm not even getting in the tank, and I'm already chilled. I remember having to baptize some people at a little Baptist church that we were a part of. What we didn't realize is that right before the service, they recognized that the heater had broken on the baptismal tank. It was winter, and it was really, really cold that night, and ice had built up on the top of the water. I went up and looked in, and I thought, oh, God, help me. Jesus, help me. I had like 30 people to baptize. I couldn't even feel the lower part of my body when I got out of the tank. But every one of them got, I think Danielle, our daughter, was in that baptism. She said, Dad, it's freezing. We didn't have the baptism at, at the uh, Denhoffs today because I was worried about it being a little cold, but I was worried worse than that about the fish that bite. They have little fish that bite. And the entire time I was in there last year, they just kept biting me. People honestly thought I had Tourette's or something. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. It was so bad. Now I'm sounding like Donald, Donald Trump. He repeats himself. So bad. It was, it was so bad. It, it was so, so bad. You know, it's just, okay, we get it, Trump. Stick with your little screen. That's a danger when I, my wife is always like, Please don't go off on tangents. Please, God. Don't. <laughs> no, I'm saying this. There's something powerful in obeying God and getting baptized. There's something powerful. The people who get baptized today will agree with me. You know what it says? I'm humble enough to get in that water before all these people and say that Jesus Christ is the Lord. That Jesus Christ died, was buried, on the third day, rose from the dead so that we could. So that we could have resurrection in our life. It's powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. There are three things going on in, um, in what he wrote that we could, we could seriously say that sometimes we're going to be a dis disappointment to God constantly, but he still loves us. So when you look at the big picture about God and not condemning us and trying to understand that whole thing, first we have to accept that what God says about us not being condemned is true. We have to. And secondly, tests are not meant to destroy us but reveal our weaknesses so that we can adjust and grow. Hopefully it will be for the positive. How many people in the room have had something happen recently that you responded in a positive way and you, you were so blessed by doing so. Raise your hand. You responded in a positive way. How many have something right now that you definitely need a miracle from God for? Raise your hand. You know what my wife did? She had a mammogram a while back, and that's how they discovered that she had cancer in one of her breasts. And fortunately, when they did further studying on it, they looked at it and said, it's a zero on the scale of one to 10. It's self-contained and we can get it out. Well, she rescheduled another mammogram for tomorrow because she's believing that it's already gone. Yeah. 
Isn't that how God wants us to work? He doesn't want us to be fools. God gave us doctors, but he wants us to have faith. Faith is different than being a fool. Faith believes that there is no condemnation. God is not trying to be mean to me. And thirdly, we aren't the best judges of our own spiritual standing. When it comes to your look at your life and you saying, I must really be a bad person because these things keep happening to me. Why is it that I seem to be the person that always is in a rut about something? You're not always the best judge of your own spiritual standing. You don't even realize sometime how much you've been blessed until you have somebody say this right now, right now, right this second, in this room, right now. You start thinking about things that you're blessed with. Hmm? I'll take 10. In the first couple rows, anybody, stand up. Tell me what you're blessed about. Anybody in these? There, right there. What? Real loud, they can't hear you. Health. Is that not a blessing? Okay. Yes, eyes that you can now see in physical and spiritual. Right, bud? A new life. A new life escaping a country of death and coming to America. That's a powerful testimony sitting over there. Who else stood up here? Somebody else. I'll take number four right here, Mike. Right here. A loving family. You can't beat it, can you? Not everybody has it. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I know you're a visitor, and I saw you raising your hand earlier, and I thought, she getting blessed. She getting blessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm going to get criticized for that. What stupid stuff they do there. They would just stick with the scriptures. It's hard to always just stick with the scriptures when there's a bunch of praise popping out. I saw her with her hand up, and you know what I thought immediately? She's praising God for her kids and grandkids. Is that correct? And she prayed they'd get baptized, and they are. Thank you, Jesus. Who else stood up? Right here. Your freedom. You mean freedom in the country or? everything. You're so free you could just let it all loose. Right? Some people in here can't. No, seriously, some people can't because they're so overwhelmed by regrets or disappointments or whatever. Sometimes you aren't even able to judge your own spiritual standing. Stop knocking yourself. You're not as bad as the devil wants you to think. You know Jesus today, that's all you need to worry about. There's no condemnation. There's no past. There are no mistakes. He doesn't see your sin. I didn't make that up. That's the scripture. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not life, not death, not heaven, not hell, not angels, not demons, not things to come, not things from the past. Nothing can separate us from Christ. That in itself is amazing. The fourth thing, life is always a mixture of successes and failures. Sometimes you're like, oh, God, I'm praising you today, and you have a car accident. 
and your car's all banged up. You go, God, what are you trying to do to me? Am I that bad? <laughs> Just about the time you think you're really standing and you're not living in sin and something happens, your life is going to be a mix, mixture of success and failures all the time, isn't it? Yeah. We have the responsibility to be Jesus to one another so that even though we wouldn't have to, we bring somebody out of that. They see Christ in us, don't they? I was pulling through McDonald's one day, and the same lady has worked that drive through window in Jenison there at the one on Chicago Drive for 34 years. She knows me. When the whole thing went down with me, oh, she's like, I know all about you and stuff. And How's your church doing? And I said, wonderful. And she said, I'm so happy. And then she's, I said, and how are you doing? And she said, I, she's never, ever complained before. She said, I've been here 34 years. I have to work three jobs because I don't have a husband now. And I'm so tired. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you today. My wife, if she were there, she would have said, let's pray right now. Everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm making this up. If you know Becky, you know what I'm talking about. She said, let's pray right now. And it would have been like 12 minutes later. And everybody in the drive-thru would be ramming the end of her car. And... <laughs> wanting to get out with their keys and go down the side of the car. Life is full of, life literally is full of successes and failures. And don't tell me that just because you have a failure that somehow it means that you're in sin. You know, I remember I told you, I, I, um, years ago, I was 25 years old or so, I had a doctor in my Sunday school class, and I had gone in for a just a typical routine exam, and they found this big, huge mass inside of me. I thought it was just from eating too much Italian food. And then he said, come to my office after five, and they found this big, huge cyst. They didn't know if it was cancerous or not. It was like the size of a basketball. been growing inside of me. And I remember I went in, and when I came out of my surgery, I was in intensive care, and it's always freezing cold in there. If you know what I'm talking about? That's one of my favorite sayings, by the way. You know what I'm talking about? Freezing cold, and I wake up, and there I see my wife and, and somebody else over here, and the youth pastor's over the side of the bed. The first thing I hear, he leans over and goes, what do you think God's trying to teach you? I said, that is cold in here. <laughs> Come on. Seriously, Christians? Is that, you suppose that's what a person wants to hear? This is what I think. God's trying to teach me that he loves me a lot because they found it. Yeah, God's trying to teach my wife and I to trust him because they found it at a zero stage. When you, when you start praising God with a natural in the normal and you start praising God, God does the supernatural to lift you out of it because you're giving out. You get blessed when you give out, don't you? You get far, far more blessed. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You are not condemned by God. Not. That's all there is to it. There are just a couple of tremendous truths and I need to stop so we can baptize here. What do we discover when we move to the last part of Romans chapter 7? And I reread it again this morning. Paul is in this thing in, in Romans chapter 7. And he's, he's talking about living by the law. And then he's talking about how Basically, the law was a schoolmaster, and what do I do now that I'm saved? And I'm so disappointed that what I want to do, I don't do. 
and what I don't want to do are the things that I should do. I bet you if we took a survey of the room this morning and asked how many people had any time with God this morning privately, it would be very minimal. Well, then let's take a survey. How many people spent any time with God this week at all? No, I'm not asking you to do that. That makes everybody else feel bad. <laughs> all the other people went, oh, God, see, I'm such a failure. I really blew it. I try, but I'm so bored. Oh, God, I'm so sleepy. I'm the pastor. It's hard to start your day with God. Yes. Yes, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. That means I need to be more intentional about what I do so that Satan can't rub that into me. And besides that, I get extremely blessed when I put God first. But we don't need to run around trying to make each other feel guilty about what we don't do so that we live our life with regret. We just need to understand two important truths. One, the Christian life is a struggle. Simple. You already know that. The Christian life is a struggle. It's not a party. Sometimes it is. But as a general rule, it's a struggle. And nobody else in here even knows what you're struggling with. Most of us in here are going through something and the other people in the room don't know about it. And they think you just have it all together and you're worried to death you're going to lose your job. You're worried to death that you have a physical ailment that's bothering you and and they don't know what to do about it. And you're worried about finances and you're worried about your marriage and you're forgetting that God is still there. The Christian life is, there is going to be a struggle. Pop that next thing on the screen. Because Paul was saying, can you put that big one up there? There you go. In my mind, I want to please God. But there's something in me that makes me want to do the opposite. Have you ever felt that? Yes, yes, yes. Just shake your head like this. Have you ever felt, in my mind, I really want to please God. I'm done with that thing, that addictive thing. And you're just exactly like Paul was in chapter 7 of the book of Romans. He said, in my mind, I want to do these things. But uh, for some reason, I go do the opposite thing. Why is that? That which I would do... I do not do that which I hate, I do. I hate that about myself. I should be doing the right things and I still choose to do the wrong. And don't kid yourself. Everybody struggles with that. Yeah. Not just Paul. Everyone. The sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can minister to each other. It's not always so simple to stop doing what you've been doing. The Christian life is a struggle. You may walk out of here today and say, Lord, help me with my critical spirit. As soon as I get in the car, I start slicing and dicing. Or, Lord, help me not to gossip. By the time 1.30 this afternoon comes, I've already gossiped about people at church. Lord, help me to forgive someone that I should be forgiving but just can't put myself up to it because they treated me mean. And God's speaking to you, and you want to obey, but you don't obey. And then, listen to me, this, this is the deal. God doesn't send something because he's trying to be mean. He sends something so that he'll get your attention. Something else. You start struggling at work. Something happens that just has a way of just knocking you sideways. And you have to say, God, you're trying to get my attention. 
He's trying to get your attention right now, right this second, guarantee you. Right this very moment. He's trying to make you listen. When the adulterous woman was brought to Jesus, I mean, everybody knows that story. She was wearing a big scarlet letter, according to the Pharisees, the religious men. She was condemned. She lived in a state of condemnation. And what did Jesus say to her? He said, go and sin no more. He said to them, stop criticizing unless you're perfect. Right? I think this is what God does for us. He doesn't tell us to wear an A for adultery. He doesn't tell us to wear a D for divorce. He doesn't say to wear a big G on the front of us if we're gay. Seriously. But we tell each other to do that. Oh, did you hear? she committed adultery. Did you hear about their son is gay? Do you know their daughter's a lesbian? She should be wearing a big L. Hate is not welcome here, but gossip is. But criticism is. How is it any different? Until the, until the Christian world of Grand Rapids, Michigan, literally changes to understand that there is no condemnation, others aren't going to come to Christ. Nobody wants to come to a church that truly hates. Nobody. You could not surprise me by anything you told me about yourself, and I would not surprise you by telling everybody about it. I would tell you that God has forgiven you. Seriously. Isn't that what he would do? You're forgiven. Don't do that anymore. Now go and don't do that anymore. Yes? Yes. Now go and don't do that anymore. There are no A's to wear around until you're repentant and justice has been done. If justice were to be done, all those big pious puke heads, I call them, they'd be zapped on the spot. My mom used to sit in our house because she was so bored, bored with her Christianity. She'd sit in our house with binoculars and watch the neighboring farm because they lived way back the driveway. She'd watch the farm because she was positive there were 50 Hmong people living in there. 16 just came out of the barn, Elmer. I'm not making this up. My wife knows it's true. She had nothing better to do with her time than to criticize others. It's a lot better to praise other people, lift them up, help them get out of their pit. There's no condemnation with God. There's no condemnation with us. We ought to just love the one you're with. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I love you. It's the only time it won't be a thought of as bad. Come on, Mike, turn to her and tell her you love her. Okay, if, if that's somebody else's wife next to you. This is Christian love. It's kosher. It's been sanctified by God. It's clean. Okay, if it's anything else, that's your problem. I think all of us are wearing a a big F this morning, a big, huge F. I do. Forgiven. Simple. We're forgiven. So just before we baptize, and we're going to allow you an opportunity to leave the service in a little bit if you would prefer not to stay. It won't take very long. I think you'll get so blessed if you stay. I really do. Something powerful happens. So the praise band is going to come back right now. And I want to... 
Now's not the time to leave. I want you to think seriously. I want you to think seriously about what, what God has done for you this morning and how blessed you are to be forgiven. How blessed you are not to have to live in regret because, because he has forgiven us of everything. When we give our life to him, he, does, he keeps no record of the wrongs we do. We do not need to live in regret. We need to live in anticipation of what God wants to do. So we're going to sing our prayer this morning.